The following is a reading from the China Talk newsletter, which you can find at chinatalk.media. Last week, Rubio and Gallagher introduced legislation to ban TikTok and potentially WeChat, while the most recent NDAA features language banning TikTok from government devices. To toot my own horn for a second, I believe I wrote the first article in the Western press raising concerns about TikTok's spread back in 2019 published in Foreign Policy. I'm in favor of a ban or mandated sale. Since the first wave of political attention Trump, TikTok got in the Trump era, in the two and a half year reprieve, ByteDance has done practically nothing to build in real transparency and safeguards necessary for foreign governments to trust the platform. The current Transparency Center does not address the critical question of algorithmic transparency, the black boss most vulnerable to outside pressure, and there has been zero movement on building in barriers between Beijing's access to U.S. data. Alex Palmer, in a fantastic New York Times feature published today, sums up the past year's scandals, all happening at a time when ByteDance really should have been on its best behavior. Over the summer, and this is quoting from the Times piece, BuzzFeed reported on leaked audio from dozens of internal company meetings revealing that, contrary to TikTok's public assertions, data from American users was still routinely accessed by China-based employees. Soon after, BuzzFeed reported that ByteDance had used TopBuzz, a now-shuttered American news app modeled on Totiao, to push pro-China content to users while also censoring stories critical of Beijing. ByteDance has denied this, calling this, quote, ridiculous. More recently, Forbes found that Chinese state media accounts were flourishing on TikTok, often by promoting attacks on specific U.S. politicians and the state of American institutions in general. Forbes also reported that a team at ByteDance headquarters planned to use TikTok to track the location of specific American users, exactly the nightmare scenario that critics had warned about. Taken together, these stories only amplified concerns that TikTok cannot be trusted with its power over American data and attention spans. Uh, from Alex now to me. A close reading of these stories shows that the screams are coming from inside the house. Foreign employees within TikTok time and time again have seen alarming behavior from ByteDance and gone to Western media. It's a shame that the Chinese government is such that its firms don't get the benefit of the doubt. However, TikTok's complete bundling of this window of opportunity to create a track record trending towards transparency makes me think that, well, it can't be trusted. There were rumors earlier this year of a relatively soft deal scuttled by interagency objections. Now, I'm optimistic that there's too much public attention and congressional pressure for ByteDance to find a way to continue operating in the U.S. over the long term in a way that doesn't address the core concerns I outlined below. And the following is a reading of an updated piece that takes a stab at what Western countries should do in response to TikTok's rapid growth. At first, as TikTok was expanding around the world, ByteDance's issues around content were primarily around social norms rather than politics. But the company has proven itself ill-prepared to respond to criticism in democratic countries. For instance, in 2020, ByteDance issued spurious YouTube copyright takedowns when called out for hosting racy children's content and sued media outlets that published critical reporting of fake news on its overseas operations. Aside from being bad PR, this response also speaks to a greater disconnect. The principles of a local firm like ByteDance, which came up in a party-shattered garden of the Chinese tech sector, applies to government cooperation and content policy questions are fundamentally different from how policy teams in Silicon Valley firms, filled to the brim with ex-administrations, will do so. ByteDance has already been repeatedly forced to bend the knee to party authority at home. Most punishingly, in April 2018, the government compelled ByteDance to shut down its popular Nehan Duanza, or Inside Jokes app, due to its, quote, vulgar content. In response, Zhang Yiming issued a letter of self-criticism where he said, quote, Our product took the wrong path, and content appeared that was incommensurate with socialist core values. He also promised that the firm would, in the future, quote, 
further deepened cooperation with authoritative official party channels, elevating distribution of authoritative media content, and ensuring that authoritative official party media voices are broadcast to strength. I heard rumors that in the lead-up to the self-criticism letter, the government, without prior warning, forced senior ByteDance managers to spend days away from their families getting read the riot act about the importance of controlling content on their platform. These nods to the party are readily apparent to users in China. I personally noticed that after the government cracked on on ByteDance products, advertorial-style Douyin videos about the Chinese police and army started to appear more frequently, driven presumably by internal tweaks to the recommendation algorithm. While such actions may reinforce ByteDance's standing domestically, as its market grows abroad, the firm's connection to and reliance on the Chinese Communist Party's goodwill will come into focus. Even for American firms, managing user-generated content is not easy. Facebook, with a high-powered U.S. policy team and a COO who worked under Larry Summers at the Treasury Department, has clearly struggled to navigate these waters. But ByteDance has problems that Western firms don't share. The potential for Chinese government interference at ByteDance is considerable. And like other firms in China, there's little the company can do about it. it. In such an eventuality, Russians spending a few million dollars on social media ads in the 2016 election will seem like child's play compared to the Chinese government compelling ByteDance to tweak its algorithms to boost certain candidates' chances. The Chinese government, of course, is no stranger to using orchestrated networks on Western platforms to influence foreign opinion and interfere in elections. The Chinese government has run massive Twitter operations and surreptitiously bankrolls pro-CCP YouTube channels. It also helped KMT candidates get elected and posted thousands of tweets opposing Tsai Ing-wen. I just don't see how some enterprising young bureaucrat doesn't recognize the potential power of juking TikTok's algorithm, and once that idea gets seeded, how TikTok can resist. Further, this sort of subtle tweaking of algorithms feeding content is much more likely to go unnoticed than the 2016 Russia influence operations. No one is likely to notice a few extra anodyne don't register to vote PSAs aimed at favored candidate supporters. While the Chinese government's levels of sophistication when it comes to influencing U.S. politics are, to say the least, underdeveloped, having foreigners rely on apps for news and entertainment is a powerful vector of influence. For the first few years of TikTok's existence, ByteDance thought they could sidestep these political issues by making a fun-only app completely divorced from politics, allowing users to only just record their meihao shenghua, or beautiful life, as the Douyin tagline reads. At first, I assumed that TikTok could be able to hold the line through bans on political advertising and keeping activism largely off the platform. However, the Black Lives Matter movement made this stance untenable. Maybe they could, through shadow bans and algorithm treats, suppress speech on issues that weren't at the forefront of America's national conversation such as China's treatment of the Uyghurs. But once George Floyd was killed, it was impossible to suppress related content. Not that the platform didn't try. Chinese tech firms are not enthusiastic partners of these sorts of foreign policy and... Chinese firms are not enthusiastic partners of these sorts of foreign policy endeavors. And aside from the occasional offer of free space and tax benefits, would generally prefer to have nothing to do with the government. Take Didi's initial response to police requests for data. For instance, after twice outright refusing the request on privacy grounds, it finally simply printed out a few boxes of documents that for the police's purposes were practically useless. ByteDance's CEO is surely not happy to have to issue apology letters and face mandated shutdowns of the popular products. Honestly, I feel bad for Zhang Yiming and the rest of his generation of Chinese tech founders. I've not met the man personally, but have read at least a dozen Chinese language profiles or Q&As with him. These articles, coupled with personal interactions with a handful of other prominent 
tech new generation CEOs have given me a sense of their personal ambitions. They were promised a China opening to the West. We're all active online back when the Chinese internet was much more open than it is today. And a number of them spent years in Silicon Valley working for top American tech firms. For them, to compete against Western firms overseas is a natural evolution after saturating the domestic market, as well as the ultimate corporate challenge for leaders who have built their companies aping org structures and the speed of Facebook circa 2019 to face off against the real deal. The proper mental model of a Chinese tech CEO is not that of a party faithful member toiling ceaselessly to spread Xi Jinping thought, but rather a nerdy engineer who worked in the valley and daydreamed of building something as big as Sergey and Mark. Like tech, titan, like tech titans in San Francisco, most would much rather have nothing to do with politics and on the whole are much more liberal than your average Politburo member. But at the end of the day, there's very little that these firms can do to push back in a party state environment. Surely the domestic Chinese Huawei and ByteDance government relations teams make the argument that any evidence of their firms being used to spy on foreigners or tweak algorithms to Beijing's benefit would do irrevocable damage to Chinese firms' international ambitions. But that risk pales in comparison to the prize of potentially swinging a U.S. presidential election. China's national intelligence law, according to one interpretation, gives total authority to the government to compel firms, and with no independent judiciary, even extra legal pressure is very hard to resist. CCP regulators who can take massive bites out of market capitalization at will to say nothing of threatening the, to say nothing of threatening the personal security of senior tech leadership that doesn't follow their suggestions make keeping officials at home happy ByteDance's first priority, regardless of the reputational risks abroad. Kevin Xu has proposed the most reasonable path for TikTok to get around this dilemma, namely by open sourcing its role-based access control to, in his words, quote, prove that Chinese engineers are indeed off limits from American data. Personally, I'm doubtful whether it's technically feasible to open source TikTok to such a degree as to preclude the possibility of any funny business. Since then, in the past two years, TikTok has done absolutely nothing of this sort. Even if they had made gestures toward this, the fundamental issue is a problem of trust. Given that PRC-linked information operations are rampant on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, I would find it very odd for, not th for them not to be also active on TikTok as well. Until, quote, TikTok USA has enough independence to expose subversive PRC activity with the same verb that American firms do, I'm not buying it. So what's to be done? I think there's no choice but to ban TikTok or to force a sale. Zhang Yiming and the rest of the ByteDance team have done an incredible job building a product that blew first domestic and then international competitors out of the water. I'm a daily TikTok user, consistently astounded by the quality of the content and the acuity of the algorithm. I hope that the ByteDance team gets rewarded for their hard work to the tune of tens of billions by a foreign player buying out their presence in the U.S. market. Thanks so much for listening. Let me know if you enjoy this more short form China Talk and please subscribe to the newsletter at Chinatalk.media. I got pretty like a girl. And he got five stories to tell. I see both sides like Chanel. I see on both sides like Chanel. Swimming laps through pool water. Eating like I'm underworld. Had my tattoos in Shibuya. Police think I'm out the underworld. They can't hold my seven, they pay my visa, my Amex and MasterCards. I got no money, and it's all cash. I got no bags, and they all collapsed. Three both sides of the twelve, three both sides of the L. Three smoke rings in their house, sleeps no grind for the wealth. Whole team down, Mrs. Brown, show them how to shine by themselves. And then I go.
This kick drum is a bit of a masterclass, isn't it?